I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. And then we'll take it from there. Yeah. Holy crap. Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> loud as heck now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's happening tonight? What's going on? What is going on? Here we go. We have a call on the line. All right. Let's just take this call and, and see what we, if we can figure out what's going on. Yeah, you do that. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? All right. You can hear us okay? <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to give you a verification call. Yeah, we're coming in fine. All right, because everything's really weird. Everything's screwy here in the studio. Like, first we couldn't hear ourselves. Now we're too loud, and and we could hear. Could you hear us talking during the commercial? No. Okay. Right. No, <laughs> Good enough. As, as no, long, all the dirty things you said, no, didn't reach the ear. Excellent. As, <laughs> as long as uh, the FCC can't hear what we're saying, and then uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, coming in, coming in fine. Excellent. Did you, did you enjoy your holiday? Yeah, not bad. Quiet. Uh, that's big. I mean, no big whoop to do. Just have a cookout and uh, not a bad day. I, I tell you, I don't think there's any um, want for money around here because, geez, what fireworks coming down the south end? And, oh, I, I, I know, just the people setting them off in their backyards. So. Wow, unbelievable! It's been going on for I'd say almost three hours now. And in my neighborhood, I, I live in a, a, a place with a lot of summer homes, and there are a lot of summertime visitors. Mm-hmm. We're going to have fireworks going off every night for, like, the next week. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, I well, about three hours ago, I started, you know, first you're not really paying attention to it. Then I said, geez, this is going on for a long time, and it's unbelievable. I, so. I, I wonder how much uh, how much business New Hampshire got out of Massachusetts over the last uh-huh. few weeks. Well, I'll tell you, I was in New Hampshire, uh, not for fireworks, but... Uh, Last Sunday. Duty free liquor? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> and uh, I just, it was amazing. There was a lot of fireworks. I see a lot of out of state, you know, mass, mass plates, and there were a lot of fireworks were going. And the, the duty free liquor, too. I, I well, saw I can tell you, you know, I'm sure New Hampshire people have the same reaction I have when I'm, I'm driving through Wareham and I see all the Rhode Island plates and the New York plates, and I'm like, get out of my way. Go home. <laughs> yeah, they, they do give some looks because, uh, Maybe they start seeing out of town plates and things. Yeah, back, back before uh, back before two thousand uh, back before um, September eleventh, you know, we used to be able to refer to them as the terrorists. We say, Oh, it's terrorist season, but you know, now you can't say that anymore. Yeah, no, you gotta you gotta be politically correct, I guess, right? Yeah. But so. uh, no, it was uh I said it's normal for anything else, you know what I mean? But uh, I just found that quite a lot of fireworks. This is really that 
usually this much, but I guess they figured, well, they're not going to be able to see any locally. I think the closest one is what, uh, Wareham, is it? Yeah, Ronset was doing them, and it looked like there was some coming from, from Marion Way map, but uh, you said that there no, there's less. That's for illegal. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, those are really good for illegal fireworks, I gotta it's say. It's Marion. Hello, they can afford it. <laughs> That's true. And the, and the fine. Not all <laughs> not all of us are uh, rich radio producers that can, <laughs> can live in Marion like Mac Alston. And the Buffett has its, uh, I guess, its problems, I guess, so. Yeah. They want to say, well, we didn't have money for this and that, and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like 100000 of fireworks. I don't think that would have looked too good. Well, when it comes to uh, to money and donations, we're going to be talking about that in just a little bit because there was an incident this past week uh, in Freetown, so we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, when, and we're going to let people know how they can make donations to help solve that. So, But thank you for checking in and letting us know that we are indeed on the air. No at, problem. At least somebody can hear us, and <laughs> that <laughs> makes it worth coming in and doing the show. So Have a good night. You too. Okay, bye-bye. All right, technical issues out of the way. We know that we're broadcasting. Now we can get on with the program. This is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. My name is Tim Weisberg. The silent assassin, Matt Costa, is manning the controls. Science advisor, Matt Moniz, is kicking back, relaxing, enjoying the 4th of July holiday. And we're going to talk about the Freetown Wampanoag Cultural Center, which actually burned down uh, last Saturday morning, mm. and we did not receive word about it before we went on the air. If we had, we definitely would have mentioned it on the program last week because of how much that area means to the paranormal community in the South Coast, in Massachusetts, in New England, and how much the Wampanoag people uh, mean to that Freetown State Forest and how much of a symbiotic relationship it is between the tribe and the paranormal investigators who go out there and look for proof of the existence of the paranormal. So I actually had the opportunity to talk to – well, let me read the story first. I think that that would be the best way to handle it. Um, but I will say this. If you're tuning into the program and, and you have a few extra bucks in your pocket and you want to make a donation to help rebuild the Wampanoag Cultural Center at any time during the show, feel free to come down, drop off a check. Matt Moniz will run outside and grab it. Uh, also, you can email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. If you'd rather do it that way, uh, we can give you the address of where to send that donation once everything's been finalized. So here's the story as it appeared in the Standard Times last week. The Wampanoag Cultural Center in the Freetown State Forest burned to the ground Saturday morning in a fire the tribe's chief think could have, thinks could have been arson. The Asonet Band of Wampanoag Nation Cultural Center, set on Ledge Road on the 227-acre Watupa Reservation in the forest, was destroyed in the fire, according to a statement by the Freetown Fire Department. At 7.30 a.m., firefighters responded to a report of smoke in the area of the cultural center and found the 30-foot by 25-foot single-story wooden structure fully involved. It took 12 firefighters using three engines about an hour and a half to extinguish the, extinguish the flames, and the building is a, quote, total loss, according to the statement. No injuries were reported. Ken Alves, chief of the Asonet Band of the Wampanoag Nation, said he suspected arson, citing many other acts of vandalism that have occurred at the cultural center and a nearby pump house. The buildings have been broken into, shot with paintballs, and covered with graffiti. I'm looking at you, Matt. <laughs> and when it says paintballs, I always look at you. <laughs> the part of the forest that we're located on, we've been besieged by vandalism for quite a while, Alves said. He said signs posted at the site by the State Arson Watch Rewards Program offered a reward of up to $5,000 for information on the fire. The cultural center, which was built in the 1990s, was used as a gathering place for meetings, celebrations, and teaching, Alves said. 
According to the Freetown Fire Department, local police and fire and the state fire marshal's office are investigating the cause of the fire. So I had the opportunity to speak with uh, Chief Alves um, on Thursday night. And I had asked him if he would join us in the program to talk to us about the cultural center, how they used it, what they would do to try to rebuild. He said that there is an effort underway to rebuild. They have opened up a P.O. box where you can uh, send checks and send donations to help them rebuild. Um, but he was, uh, I was in the middle of, you know, running some errands and I just would wanted to make contact with him. I invited him on the program. He's actually at the, uh, Wampanoag celebration, the big powwow that they mm-hmm. have in Mashpee every year on the 4th of July. So he was unable to join us in the program, but we will definitely have him on an upcoming episode of the show and we can find out more just about the Asona Band of Wampanoags, about the Wampanoag Nation in general. We always talk about it. We always, speak about them almost in the past tense when they are actually still out there, they're still active, they're still observing their culture and celebrating their culture, and we'd like to incorporate that into more of what we do when we talk about these paranormal areas that are tied into the Wampanoag Nation. Let's take this call right now and see if maybe they have some more information on this fire. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Good evening. This is Keith Johnson. Hey, Keith. How you been? So I've been fine. How are you, Ben? Oh, we're spooktacular as always. Mm-hmm. So Happy 4th to you. And to you as well. Starting off with a bang, right? <laughs> well, of course. And it usually ends with a couple bangs, too. Yes. So, so what's, how's uh, everything going there? Oh, it's good. I mean, we've had some technical issues, but what else is new? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you is, might uh, need Chris to... on tonight? We do. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking to Aaron Hansen. Uh, mm-hmm. who has made – he actually made a prediction about Michael Jackson's death. And, oh, he really uh, did. We'll have some audio uh, evidence to back that claim up, and we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, these supposed theories about Jackson's death and whether or not it was faked and some of this other stuff. And I know we had said, you know, in the past we're going to wait a while and, and, and really wait a respectable amount of time before we even bring this stuff up, but it's just been inundating our inboxes and people are talking about it. So we feel like, you know, we kind of have to address it. Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts on, on the death of Michael Jackson, Keith? Well, it, it was a shock, you know, it was a shock and yet it wasn't because mm-hmm. of, um, with Michael, there was always something new. There was, um, you know, it's like there was always a taste of the bizarre there. You didn't know what to expect would happen next. So while it was a shock, it's it's like, gee, another chapter in the Michael Jackson episode, so to speak. And that's why so many of these uh, conspiracy theories and, and fake death rumors have legs, because he was a weird guy, and because if anybody was going to try and do this type of thing, it would be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that you've been pretty busy, though, Keith. Uh, I see um, that you've got a lot of stuff going on at Slater Mill. And congratulations yes, yes. on the new book, We've by the way. We've been doing the ongoing ghost tours, and uh, actually, they're very, very popular. They're going on, well, we just we just did our last one for the n- next couple of months last night, and we had like 85 people last wow. night, and it's getting more and more popular. And we're picking up again in August. And, of course, everything's on the Slater Mill calendar and, and on our calendar as well at nearparanormal.com. Weather forecast. It seems that along with the numbers of people we're getting there, mm-hmm. the activity there is picked up. Now, I don't know if it's because more energy is being introduced to the place or it's just a matter of recognition 
or are they getting pretty, you know, the uh, spirits there are getting pretty ticked off with what we're doing because uh, we had one, um, one boy that was there last night. I would say he was about 13, 14 years old, and he went out of one of the buildings literally in tears because something had whispered in his ear to get out. Wow. So, uh, you know, the activity has picked up, not necessarily in a nice way, but people are, are really seem to be getting their money's worth. They um, are very, very much enjoying it. We've gotten nothing but very, very positive results there, and uh, feedback is great. So the ghost tours have been very, very popular, and as I say, they're picking up again in August. We'll start up our next uh, group of tours in August. Well, I- as for myself, I've come out with my um, my first book on the paranormal has just been published. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's called Paranormal Realities. Uh-huh. And if anybody is, knows the reality of the paranormal, it's, it's you. <laughs> well, this is true. I've had uh, many experiences that to me and to others were undeniable. Basically, the book details my experiences from childhood, how I first became interested and enamored of the paranormal, what led me into the field of demonology over the years, and uh, many of the successes I've had, but also many of the mistakes I've made along the way. I've made sure to detail them. And uh, you'll see many names in the book that are very familiar to you personally and to uh, a lot of your listening audience. They're very, very well-known, familiar names in the paranormal. And... Um, some, you know, at least one name that, uh, a few names that will sit right inside your studio occasionally. <laughs> and, you know, between the stories that you've told here on the program and, and stories that you've told us personally and privately, I can just imagine that it's a, a great read. Is it available at bookstores everywhere? Can people run out available, and get it? Right now it's uh, available on Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Also, if you would like an autographed, personalized copy Go to our website at Near Paranormal. It can be ordered there, too. There you'll get an autographed copy that way. Excellent. And yeah. uh, I've been in touch with uh, the people over at Slater Mill. I've been talking with Chandler, and we're going to be doing an episode of the show about Slater Mill coming up. So we'd love for you and Carl and Sandra and everybody to come and sit sit in with us and, and discuss that. We can talk about the book. We'll talk about the tours. We'll talk about the mill, and you know, we'll just have our usual great time that we have here. That sounds excellent. I'd love to do that. All right. I'll keep you up to date with when that's coming. Great, great. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. All right. Thanks, Keith. Okay. Our best to to your whole family. Okay. We'll do that. Happy Fourth again. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that is Keith Johnson of Near Paranormal, and and make sure you run out and grab his book because, like I was saying, you know, we've heard the stories and uh, just what he's shared with us in conversation, so I I can't wait to get my hands on it and, and read the rest of his experiences. Now, uh, getting back to the Freetown Fire, the Wampanoag Cultural Center, um, there were the tours, the paranormal tours that were happening there Correct. that were going to be led by uh, Andrew Lake, and they ended up not happening, or some so there were some issues? Yeah, they wind up being rescheduled is what's going to wind up happening. Um, after the uh, fire had occurred, there's going to be um, more emphasis, I guess, on trying to help out, you know, the Wampanoags as well as the school department, which was the original design. Now, I mean, you you got the Wampanoags that are allowing people to come on their land and for 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 Andy and us to help out and do this. So, uh, so now they're talking about reorganizing it so we kind of get split. 
I guess, is one of the things that was discussed. Well, I mean, that's their thing. That's their event. That's what they're doing, what they're putting on. Um, and that's through, uh, I forget the name of the company, but Encore Entertainment or whatever the yeah. name of the company is. So that's their thing. And Like I said, this is as far as I understand. We are, as well as being a radio show and as well as being uh, yourself, full-time, our, Matt and Costa and myself, part-time paranormal investigators, we're also somewhat of an entertainment entity ourselves. And we've been known from time to time to put on events, paranormal nights at different places. Lizzie Borden's mm. house, we have one coming up in the Fearing Tavern in Wareham. Uh, we're going to be working with a couple other locations. One place that Matt Costa has checked out that told us about that sounds really awesome. But uh, we'll have more information about that in the coming weeks. But why don't we put this organizing and publicizing ability that we have to good use and we'll put something together where we'll come up with some sort of event that we can have there on that land where we can raise money and all the money can go solely to the Wampanoag Nation as part of the rebuilding process. Like a night at the ledge? Something like that, something along those lines. Um, Because one thing, we'll have to say, number one, you're in the Freetown State Forest. Anything can happen in there, mm-hmm. from cryptos to UFOs to ghosts to even seeing crazy cult things happen in there. So, I mean, to hold a night in there, those who want to go watch the skies can go watch the skies. Those who want to go do EVPs can, you know, saunter off into various sections and do that. It's a little we bit for everybody. Got to make sure that we have uh, insurance waivers because I'm <laughs> yeah. a little bit nervous about saying, all right, everybody, go up on the ledge. No, no, no. This would obviously have to be something well chaperoned. All right, well, we can talk about the details, but let's just put it out on the table that, you know, in the next month, month and a half, we'll put something together where we can get out there, we can uh, bring listeners out there, have them hopefully experience the paranormal, at least learn a little about about investigating the paranormal, and at the same time, all the money raised can go to the Asona Band of the Wampanoag Nation uh, to help rebuild that cultural center. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I did talk to, to Chief Ken Alves. There is a P.O. box that's going to be out there for people to send donations to. Uh, you can also get in touch with us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com is our email address. Uh, you can also give us a call here at the studio, and maybe next week I'll have more of the information. And we'll find out where you can send those checks, send those donations. Uh, they'll probably also be looking for donations of materials, of volunteers, people who can help with the uh, rebuilding process. I'll find out more from Chief Alves, and I'll get back to the audience about that. For now, if you want to come down here and make some kind of donation, um, I guess the the best way you could do it would probably be uh, to make out a check to uh, Ken Alves. It might be the best way to do it for now, just to make sure that it does get in the right hands. You could also make it to Spooky South Coast as well, and we could you know, cash yeah. it and, and put all the donations together. And, and give it to the Asona Band of the Wampanoag Nation. But, you know, we'll definitely have more of that information coming out to you. Matt Moniz, you've spent more time out in the forest than we have. Um, and I know that the Cultural Center was one of the areas where there's been a lot of paranormal activity reported. Have you documented anything in that uh, immediate area? <laughs> if uh, Chris Balzano calls in... Uh, Which hopefully he will be. Uh, he, him and I can tell you a story that we had together talking about that i mean we were talking about the wampanoag nation Mm -hmm. and what had happened um 
you know, through the King Philip's War and stuff like that and talking about the wampum belt and stuff like that. And Chris had mentioned something and something eerie happened and then said sorry and things went back. And it, it, was, a, it was a bit of curious interaction, you know, between him and – because he, he was being filmed by um, Aaron Cashew right in front of the Cultural Center. It, that's directly behind him in the lighting. So the I find that ironic, that, you know, you're asking about this, like, yeah, we got this on film. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, we do our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation, and we want to put a focus this year. We're going to do it on July 18th is the plan. And uh, we want to put more of a focus on the Native American history and how that affects the paranormal in this area. So that's definitely one of the areas that we're going to have to cover now without the cultural center being there anymore, and I'm just a little bit worried that this is going to kind of blow back on the paranormal community, that the fact that somebody was out there. I don't think it, I, I, with so many other types of people using that area, I don't see how we as the paranormal people will be the ones who are labeled. I mean, like you said, you got kids with paintball guns. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you see people riding you know, four-wheel and dirt bikes and stuff. Not, I mean, it, there's people hiking in and out. It's any number of groups that could be responsible or it could just be some random, you know, local kids that live down the street, you know, that well, are, pl- you know. It, it might not be that the paranormal community gets the blame for it. I mean, somebody's not going to say ghost hunters were out there. You know, one of them lit a match to check their watch, and the next thing you know, the whole place goes up. But I'm just worried that because of this happening, there's going to be tighter restrictions in the access to the place at night. Because, uh, let's face it, I mean, there's supposed to be a closed gate. Well, this gate. didn't happen at night. This happened in the morning. Well, but I understand that. But it's going to mean that there's going to be more uh, restrictions on when it's open to the public. And they might say, hey, you know, let's close the place down at night. And there's supposed to be a closed gate there that, you know, 95% of the time is still left open. Uh, up a little further, I think, once you get past the... Uh, cultural center mm-hmm. there there's another gate that i think that winds up getting closed i mean okay. because the uh wampanoag nation has actually access, access to their grounds at, okay. all, at any time so well I, I just i hope that you know I'm, I'm sure that the freetown uh fire department and the forestry service and everybody involved with this understands you know this was not the work of people in our field people in our field are are actually more than respectable uh more than respectful to that area and it's almost you know just as hallowed to yeah. paranormal investigators as it would be to the wampanoags so you know let's just all band together let's show that we are a community that we can do some good that we're about more than just getting out there and, and chasing the paranormal that we're also you know here to service the community in other ways as well so We'll definitely be talking about this more in future episodes, uh, but for now, if you want to do anything to help, be it a, a donation, donation of time or services or materials, get in touch with us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll get the information over to Chief Ken Ellis. So, Matt, do we need to take any more breaks this hour, or are we all set? Um, if you want to, we can. All right, why don't we take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about... Michael Jackson, about the situation uh, surrounding his passing, about the speculation, about 
how he may have died. And a little bit later on in the program, we're going to be joined by Aaron C. Hansen, who is a a psychic, somebody who is able to make these predictions in almost Nostradamus-like fashion. And uh, he is also a remote viewer who's been profiled on television programs such as In Search Of. We're going to talk with him about the prediction he made back in April about the death of Michael Jackson. We'll also talk to him a little bit more about some of his other predictions as well. And, of course, we'll offer up, you know, whatever we believe might have been the cause of his death or the cause of his faking his death. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. It's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and that is Michael Jackson with... Uh, what might be one of my favorite songs by him, Ghosts, appropriately enough for this program. And uh, plus the awesome movie that accompanies. Did you get to see the movie yet, Matt? I know you were waiting last week to, to be able to see it start to finish. I did not. Still no? No. It's got to be on YouTube or some yeah. internet I'm trying entity. not to look it up. I'm trying not to look it you up. You want to just have it happen naturally? Yeah. What about Captain EO? Is that available on YouTube? I don't know. I wonder. Because I know they never released that in any fashion. I don't think anything's up on YouTube. That's <laughs> true. Except South Coast Sports Show. <laughs> South. Wait a minute. Sports I gotta zone. do it like Comey does. Sports zone. Sports South Coast Sports Zone. <laughs> the new parent. Um, sorry. The new sports podcast program from the Standard Times, uh, hosted by Jonathan Comey and myself. It is available uh, through iTunes and uh, MySpace Video, and it's it's a it's a audio podcast and a video podcast. There's a YouTube account where we've posted the show up in parts. It's everywhere. You could possibly want to see it, but you can also go to sports.southcoasttoday.com as well if you want to check it out. I would recommend it because it's, you know, it's pretty good. Bonies, can you back up off the microphone? You're freaking me out. <laughs> He's Darth Vadering over there. I'm like, <laughs> I, we, we had to jack him up so we can hear ourselves. So it's, it's a little bit more sensitive than usual. All right. Now i got to get serious for a minute. Um, and it is kind of weird here. Let's 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 face it. You know, they say that these I don't know, celebrity deaths, notable deaths, they say that they come in threes. Please. And everybody's pointing to the Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson trilogy of last week. Um, today has been kind of an odd day. Uh, earlier today, uh, former NFL quarterback Steve McNair was found, uh, along with a, a female uh, companion. They were found uh, shot and killed in McNair's apartment. So um, that story is still unfolding. Uh, and also, earlier in the week, the paranormal community lost someone as well. Uh, and Matt Costa had pointed this out to me originally, uh, Lou Gentili, who was a paranormal radio host uh, out of Philadelphia. 
and he had a, a very popular program for a number of years. And uh, this is actually the release from his uh, PR person, Chris Rowe. It is with great sadness we announce that on June 28, 2009, paranormal investigator and syndicated radio host Lou Gentili lost his battle to cancer. Lou Gentili is survived by his wife and three children. Services for Lou will be held on July 7th in Philadelphia at the John F. Fleur and Sons Funeral Home located at 3301 Cotman Ave, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Services will begin at 6.30 p.m. In lieu of flowers, the family asks that donations be made out to the Lou Gentili family. They can be sent to the Lou Gentili family, 178 Lewis Ave, Bayville, New Jersey, 08721. And if you have any further uh, questions or you want further information, you can contact Chris Rowe at CR Management, 1-310-927-6892 or chrisrowemanagement at gmail.com. And that's uh, Chris R-O-E, Chris Rowe Management at gmail.com. So our condolences to the Gentili family. And uh, he was definitely an influence uh, in us in putting together this program. And he was a, a one-of-a-kind host, a very uh, affable guy, very likable guy, always uh, willing to communicate with fans and colleagues uh, through various Internet channels. And just, you know, we know so many people who um, – they always list his program as one of their favorites uh, to appear on. And either he's had them on as a guest and, and helped further their careers in that regard, further their notoriety, or in the cases of some of our friends, he's actually given them their start mm -hmm. in Paranormal Radio. So, Lou Gentili, you will be missed. All right, well, getting back into the Michael Jackson topic. Um, the, first of all, we talked about it last week, about how things had exploded uh, since – he had passed, and that was only two days before we went on the air last week. But I have even more numbers that are just, you know, ridiculous. First of all, this week, Michael Jackson became the first artist ever uh, to sell over one million downloads in a single week. Uh, they estimated that retailers sold 415 solo Michael Jackson physical albums. That's an increase of 4,150% from the, his total the previous week. Uh, in the months following its original release, Thriller alone regularly sold that, uh, sold twice that in a week. So that just shows you, I mean, as much as there's a huge uh, surge in the buying of his albums right now, when Thriller came out, it was twice as popular as all of his work is right now. Uh, but that's 415,000 solo Michael Jackson albums at a time when nobody is buying actual physical albums. And the numbers are up huge that, in that regard. Uh, his, he's dominated several other key charts, six of the top 10 digital albums, 25 of the top 75 digital songs, nine of the top 10 pop catalog albums. It's a clear reminder of the sort of sales that were possible for, before technology and choice fractured the listening public into a million little niches, according to the story. So uh, let's see here. Um, uh, I got uh, 2.6 million total purchases uh, for Michael Jackson items, uh, you know, digital downloads or, or solid copies of his work uh, since his passing, um, according to the Nielsen SoundScan sound data. He also dominated the Comprehensive Album Chart, which charts both new albums and older catalog albums, the first time a catalog album has ever scanned more sales than any new album. Uh, he also po posthumously claimed the top three spots with two greatest hits collections and the legendary Thriller album. So, 
The number one album last week was the Michael Jackson number ones album, 108,000 sales scanned. Number two was the essential Michael Michael Jackson with 102,000. And number three was Thriller with 101,000. So Eagles, you're going down. No longer is the Eagles' greatest hits the number one selling album in the U.S. as it had been when it surpassed Thriller. Now Thriller is back on top. So, I mean... Again, I said it last week, it's a shame it took his death to get people that interested in his music once again, but, you know, we are seeing that resurgence. Now let's get into the actual news itself regarding his passing. Citing a single unnamed law enforcement source, the Associated Press made the claim on Friday that the drug Diprovan was found in Jackson's home. Diprovan, also known as uh, Propofol is typically used in hospital operating theaters as an intravenous anesthetic. Matt Moniz, this is kind of your ex- area of expertise, <laughs> is what you do for a living. You you test different pharmaceuticals. pharmaceuticals. Yeah, no. And uh, are you familiar with, with either of these names, Diprovan or Propofol? Diprovan, yeah. And from what I understand, from what I've read, this is a very, very powerful mm. anesthetic. Yes. And it's not something that you would generally ever find outside of a hospital. It sh- as far as I know, it shouldn't be uh, used outside of a hospital. Yeah. According to the various reports. It's a controlled substance, if that's your question. Definitely. Well, uh, according to the reports that I've been reading and the information I've been hearing, uh, for many years now, for, for a number of years, Jackson has employed a full-time anesthesiologist, and he was constantly undergoing anesthesia, to put himself to out. sleep. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was using the, it as a way to, to, to go to sleep. Right. And he had some sort of um, sleep disorder is what he claimed, mm-hmm. as well as con- chronic or constant uh, pains from back and other. Uh, th- he also had uh, serious infections from what I understand from all his plastic surgeries. So mm-hmm. that caused him to have more and more different types of pain medications. Now, when you start interacting with different medication, when you put different medications there, are different interactions that can occur, and uh, that can precipitate further complications. And if you don't know all of the medications, some doctor or somebody else can add a, a final cocktail into the mix, and that can basically shut you off. Well, from from what I read anyway in these Associated Press stories, is even this diprovan uh, can could have solely caused yes. uh, heart heart failure. If 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 enough, apply, oh yeah, easily. And part of the problem was is he was being put out at night by these drugs, and then in the morning when it was time to wake up, they had they administer something some else, sort of a, some sort of uh, you know stimulant like an amphetamine to, to rouse him out of it. Now, generally, I, I know that you know when you you hear about somebody going in for surgery or or you watch medical shows maybe on television, you hear that you know you can only be under an anesthesia for so long uh, before you start to get into a danger zone. Well, it depends upon how much and what type. This particular one that they're dealing with it, it suppresses um, basically nervous system. Slows the nervous system, slows down your heart, slows down all all of these it, autonomic functions. Is this something that would have to be constantly administered throughout the night to keep him asleep, or would it, would it have just been used to put him under, and then he would have just slept his way? A, a small amount would very easily uh, put him under. Okay. I mean, it, depending upon for surgery purposes, what they'll do is they'll put it in a drip, so many uh, micrograms over, and so many minutes or or whatever the doctor deems how long the 
surgery is going to be. And it is a calculation that's used. There were reports that, you know, various needle marks were found on his body. Um, and, and the idea being that he had been using intravenous drugs, probably these anesthesias, not something, you know, like a street drug like we we would talk about normally, but that he was being administered these IVs and, and the fact that there was actually physical signs of that um, on his body. Now, if... We also we know that he had uh, what's it called vitamilia? I don't remember the name of it. Um, Vitilia, whatever the skin disorder that he had was, and he also had lupus. Uh, At least he had revealed in that Oprah interview that he had lupus, and so that also could be a reason why he would have to be taking these pain medications as well. Right, Uh, lupus is um, uh, it's a common disease, and not too many people know about it. Uh, I have an aunt that suffers from it, mm-hmm. and um, that that can cause complications with medications as well. Certain medications may interact very adversely to some of the effects that lupus has on the body. So, the, the original interview that he did with Oprah, and I believe it was 1992 or 93, uh, he had revealed that he did have lupus, but that it was in remission. But from doing a little bit of reading on lupus, it it does go into remission but right. it does come back as well and it's quite possible it that it wrecks havoc with the body's um chemical systems and so when you start adding other chemicals in into the body uh at one point yeah the body may be functioning fine the kidneys may be filtering out this and that but all of a sudden it can stop and now all of a sudden you've got all of this other medication then and it's now become a toxin because the parts that normally filter it out aren't on at the moment you understand what i'm saying so there will be, I, I would assume, um, some sort of criminal charges then against these people if they are administering this stuff to him in his home. Is, is that if they're a licensed physician? All right. Um, you know, a physician's first rule is to do no do no harm, or mm-hmm. no further harm to their patient. But their first obligation is to their patient and to try and ease their suffering. So they're they're caught in a catch twenty two. Do I do I give this person something to try and help it ease their pain, which is what their job is. But on the same vein, without having all of the information, they, they're they not fully aware if they could be poisoning them as well. It, it's also, I mean, you can, it's, of course, it's all speculation at this point, but you could also speculate that, you know, he hadn't performed in, in many years. He hadn't been on tour in many years. And, the last time we saw him really perform publicly was in 2001. Here he is getting ready for 50 dates coming up, and he's kind of under the gun. He was only a few two weeks away from the opening of his of his shows, uh, and these rehearsal footages that uh, rehearsal footage, the rehearsal DVD, photo, all this stuff that's been coming out of these rehearsals that he was doing in LA shows him, you know, going full bore. This is Michael Jackson, the way we we used to seeing him on tour. It's possible that maybe he was suffering from physical effects from that, from pushing himself so much in these right. rehearsals that he could have overexerted himself and caused himself to have a heart attack. Or had put his body in a metabolism state that uh, probably augmented by his uh, disease. And then you add a tertiary effect of... Uh, extra medications into all of this where he would normally take this many but now his body is so in such a weakened state that it's not able to handle what he would normally Mm -hmm. be able to handle and uh, could have pushed him over the edge yeah 
So we're learning. You're speculating, but the, you have you have good enough scientific ground behind you to to reasonably postulate it. Yes. But and, and you know it's going to be a while before we find this out because yes, they conducted two autopsies, and they know you know what does the autopsy tell you? The autopsy tells you that he died of heart failure. That's no different than what we're you know what we've been told already. But the the question is why did that heart failure occur? You have to wait for the toxicology report to come back, which takes a couple of weeks. And uh, even, you know, even from Michael Jackson, it's not going to get rushed. It's going to get done very thoroughly and done Well, some correctly. of these tests take that long. Mm-hmm. No if, no if. It has nothing to do with celebrity or not. It has well, I'm just saying they're not going to start rushing out, you know, pieces of the report to satisfy right. the public. They're going to wait until they get, you know, the complete picture back. So we will find out more uh, in the coming weeks of, of exactly what was involved. Meanwhile, the speculation still continues you know, did he fake his death? Did he have a premonition of his death? Did he know that it was going to happen? There's a song that was recorded uh, for the remix album Blood on the Dance Floor called Morphine, and I, I was unfamiliar with this track. I mean, I, I had not heard this song, um, but then I heard somebody talking about it. On, I read somebody talking about it on the Internet saying that the lyrics are eerily prophetic uh, of his death, and he talks about, you know, heart attacks. He talks about Demerol. He talks about morphine. He talks about, you know, just the pain that he endures in life and uses these subject matters, uh, these these topics as, as a way to reflect that. And, of course, we know from the reports that have been coming out that he's been on painkillers since 1993 when the original accusations of child molestation took place, and he kind of used painkillers to, uh, to dull the senses and to kind of escape some of this. That's what's being reported. So uh, a little bit later on in the program, we can play that song, but uh, the name of the track is Morphine if you want to check it out. We're also going to talk in just a few minutes uh, when we come back from the news with Aaron C. Hansen, a gentleman who actually predicted Michael Jackson's death back in April. Uh, We took a call during the last break from a regular listener who also had a premonition of his death, was just drawn all of a sudden to start buying his music and start you know, adding to her already existing collection of Michael Jackson uh, media and Michael Jackson memorabilia to start, you know, immersing herself uh, in his material. And then some other things happen. And then sure enough, you know, his, his passing last week. So we'll talk with Aaron Hansen about that, about how it is that he arrives at these predictions. And it's really interesting. We have an audio clip in which he made the original uh, prediction of a death. And then when it's reversed, you get a little bit more information. And we're going to play that. We'll break it down. And being these, you know, the skeptics that we are a lot of the time, we're going to talk about, you know, is it possible uh, that, you know, there's, there's, we're, we're reading into this? Is it possible that we're hearing what we want to hear? I've heard the clip, and it's pretty blatant to me. It's not a, to me, it's not that I'm hearing into it. It's not that I'm thinking that I'm hearing it. It's pretty, uh, pretty outright. And when you hear it, you can make up your own mind as well. All right, we'll be right back after the news with more here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor at Matt Moniz. But that's the song I was talking about earlier in the program, Morphine, which a lot of people feel is uh, almost a a prophecy uh, of Michael Jackson's own demise. He actually um, supposedly, according to Lisa Marie Presley, told her, uh, when they were married, that he foresaw himself having an end to his life, the same as her father, Elvis Presley, uh, that he would die an untimely death and, you know, kind of almost the same way if it really is uh, narcotics that are involved. Found face down with his butt still on the toilet. 
No, I don't think that part. But and that's not actually true about Elvis either. That's just rumor. Okay, I've that's, seen the photo, but all right. Well, <laughs> from the actual reports are that he was uh he was not he did not die on the tournament. But we can we can discuss that okay, in a different show. Okay, hairs. Okay. <laughs> not those cat. Not whatever hairs are involved in the tournament. All right, we're we're devolving quickly. All right, well, joining us on the line is Aaron C. Hansen. His website is thepropheticlight.com, and he actually made the prediction uh, about Michael Jackson's death. Now, Aaron, describe to everybody exactly what it is that you do. I'm a professional remote viewer. I've been doing this for years. I'm one of the early guys in this, way back to the time of Ed Dames. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, I broke off from him uh, after I was filmed in Suspect Zero. That movie was terrible, by the way. Uh, however, um, what I do want to say is I'm a professional. This is what I do uh, for a living. I crack lottery codes daily three. I'm not good enough to get a more complex numbers, but I'm working on that. And I have a number of uh, experiments, most of them failures, uh, some of them successes, uh, in this um, relatively unknown field of psychic functioning and prophetic functioning, which concerns two different areas of the brain. And I am somewhat of an expert recognized the world over for my work in the field of remote viewing uh, and most certainly in the field of accessing non-historical systems of information. Uh, and, of course, I was one of the remote viewers who uh, foretold 9-11. This is a matter of record, public record. Uh, about eight months prior to the event, a few months prior to the event, uh, I reworked the data, and it remained the same. So, um, again, uh, if Reagan had been in, in the White House, of course he couldn't be, with Alzheimer's and so on, but uh, and, and the, the fact that the great man has passed away, uh, I'll tell you, he's a, if he had been in the White House, 9-11 would never have happened because he was the one who truly institutionalized remote viewing, which is a set of protocols. These protocols were used to access the chaotic sources of information that most psychics have uh, access to. In fact, each and every one of us has an inherent ability to see something. Mothers know when their children are in trouble and so on. We have anecdotal evidence everywhere. But the science is, is in the area of remote viewing, and very little is known about it because it once was a top-secret program under President Reagan. Now, we, we've talked about remote viewing in the past, uh, about, you know, the psychic spies, and we, we've discussed it with Jim Mars about, you know, the way that this program was run. But how do you take what was taught in, in terms of what was then kind of a strategic use for it to be able to locate enemies and to be able to kind of battle on the psychic plane as they did against the Soviets? How do you take that and apply that to being able to make these predictions? Well, first of all, psychic functioning is a historical here and now event. It doesn't foretell anything. Okay. That's a different area of the brain. And with remote viewing, we were able to access existing systems of information. Prediction was worthless. And so people muddied the realm of prediction versus the here and now. In other words, we can tear back the veil and see what exists in terms of historical information using protocols. Uh, did you know it takes about three seconds for your brain, on average, to process information? And if you've been remote viewing for years, as I have, you process information quickly, and I'm a synesthete, so I process information uh, very, I'm very, very fast. So this, is an, as, this has exercised uh, relatively unused areas of the brain. 
uh, and I've been doing that for years, and the way I look at predictions is to exercise a specific region of the brain, which is known, uh, Nostradamus was not a psychic, he was a prophet. There's a big difference, because he was born a prodigy, he had an area of the brain which was highly developed for some reason, some genetic throwback, who knows, or perhaps a successful mutation in some kind, such as synesthesia, which is a successful mutation for the human beings to help them process information more efficiently. So when it, when it comes to psychic functioning, like I say, Nostradamus was not a psychic. He was a prophet, and that's a different area, a different region of the brain. And I'm, I'm an athlete. I exercise a specific region of the brain, both psychic functioning and prophetic functioning. I exercise on a daily basis. I've been doing it for years. And sadly, I seem to have no competition out there. So I'm one of the few psychics, if any. Now, I've been searching the net. I've been calling people. I've contacts all over the world. I have not found a single psychic willing to come out, publicly admit. Remember, I have proof of this. This was written uh, April 13th, where I predicted Michael Jackson's death. Whereas uh, most people, uh, most psychics out there uh, that I know, in fact, uh, all the things that I've read, uh, and I could be wrong, correct me if I am, not one has predicted his death. You know, you got a lot of guys talking like they're going to talk to the dead. You know, today I talked to Michael Jackson. You know, you got people cold reading, all kinds of, of charlatans out there. You can't talk to the dead. Dead have no lips. They have no brain. They're worm food. You can't talk to the dead. We are holographic projectors, and so I use these uh, these knowns and science to extrapolate the difference between psychic functioning, prophetic functioning, and I can suss out the difference, and I can remove imagination, which is our enemy. Because imagination can get in the way of your data and muddy it and make it look horrible. So, by the way, I have a surprise for everyone here. Just for your show, it was very kind to have you on, have me on tonight. Uh, I have just uh, tonight remote viewed the exact location. Now, if anyone goes to thepropheticlight.com, you'll see an example of how I can locate anyone in the world at any time. This is, a, this is an example of the here and now, the present, not the future. Mm-hmm. What I've done is I've remote viewed the location of the South Carolina serial killer. So I know everything about this guy. I know where he is and where he can be found right now before he kills again. And he, just, he just killed a 15-year-old girl. Isn't that terrible? Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to let uh, those listening know that he is located. This is very similar to the situation where I was on Coast to Coast with Art Bell, and I announced that I was going to give out the location of the uh, BT killer. And uh, as uh, everyone knows, famously, the BT killer was found shortly thereafter. And I will say no more about this, and I can say no more about the exact location of the South Carolina serial killer. Uh, but uh, just to let people know I have his location, I might give out a few hints here on uh, on your show, uh, but back to the subject at hand of Michael Jackson. Yes, in fact, I seem to be the only psychic in the world accessing prophetic functioning because I'm alone in this. I seem to seem to have a, a definition that no one else has. So, I mean, some might hear you say that that you were able to, you know, predict the death of Michael Jackson, and without knowing the facts of it, they could say, well, hey, it's you know, it's really not that big of a deal to predict that. Look at how the guy lived. Yeah. Look at how much he was falling apart. You know, uh, the reports were that it was, his face was practically rotting off and that he was full of infections. You know, yeah. his, his demise was imminent anyway. But Most he, people would say that even 10 years ago. True. true. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can't really predict. I predicted his death in June. And the thing about this is this was posted online 
uh, prior to his who his death. And so the fact that I got it within a month, I think it's pretty good, a pretty good track record. As well as I predicted the outcome of the uh, Iranian uh, presidential election, mm-hmm. and I also predicted the chaos as a result of it. That too, if you go to my site and look at my archives, all of this stuff is accurately described prior to the event. And I have a long history of using a certain technology which has recently been discovered, uh, and that involves the subconsciousness. You can use your subconscious mind in the way that inflection is used in remote viewing. Like I say, it takes three seconds to think, and if you can send consciousness a bone, here, go fetch. It'll get out of the way so the important things can happen. Basically, these protocols allow you to work outside of normal states of awareness and present certain facts of the here and now, and in my case, both the here and now, and I can beat the odds in terms of predict a future or probability. I can beat probability. It's how I win lottery. And you know, it's the daily three. Um, I demonstrate if I can win lottery, daily three, if I'm good enough to do that, this is a good demonstration that you can do it too. We all have this ability. You know, the best way to really believe this is not just look at my stuff online that I post before the lottery comes out, before the election happens. Before things happen, I'm looking at big spikes, and I'm looking at probability. Nobody's perfect. No prophet is perfect. However, if you exercise this region of your brain using specific techniques, which I have developed over the years, you can see it for yourself One, you know, firsthand. The best believers are the ones who actually are immersed in remote viewing and are working with it and studying it and seeing the results. Let's let's talk a little bit about how the process does happen. I mean, obviously, you know, we're not going to be able to get into all these techniques that you're, you're talking about. But, you know, how do you come up with, I mean, the actual prediction that you made uh, back in April was the prominent one is dead, his name in the news exhausted, the people weary. How does that prediction come to you? Absolutely. Well, that prediction comes to me because it was basically in a trance state. Uh, what you do is you... Uh, if you hear my voice, I read this verse itself. This verse basically was rendered using known techniques in remote viewing and beyond. Techniques that I refer to is accessing non-historical systems of information. These are a new set of protocols that allow me to access the prophetic area of the brain, which allow me to spell out words. These words are written down on a piece of paper and then formulated together, be it in any language. I know four different languages. And so um, English was used in this case because it pertained to Michael Jackson or some major news event that occurred here in the United States. I don't know what it was at the time because I'm still in my trance state. I'm still using my techniques. I'm still in an altered state mm-hmm. that is self-induced. Using years and years of study, I, I realize we have sound bites. We have, we have a problem with time. But to make this, this short, to make it understandable, what I do is I access the subconscious by reading this forward. And as you know, some children will actually speak in reverse before they speak forward. You can record their voice and play it backward. And they're not saying goo goo gaga. They're saying, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Mommy, Daddy, you know, I'm upset or something. Or whatever English words they have learned at that time. Very, very rudimentary, very basic. But uh, as like the inflection, that little squibble on, on the frosted window pane. That comes from the subconscious mind. In the same way, the voice can be used to access non-historical systems of information using this technique. So when I read this and I took my own voice and played it backward, 
I had a shocking revelation. In other words, who is the prominent one that dies? Now, in the succeeding verse, it refers to the weary and ill and death in June. Now, if you play that backward, you get a reference to this, Tertium Arganum, or 1-3, third before the first, which is April 13th. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, not to make it too complicated, I realize, folks, you, you might be getting lost here, but this, this is a, actually quite simple. I'm accessing my subconsciousness, which is revealing to me, on average, the subconscious reveal what goes on, typically, in, in terms of probability beating the odds, between one and three months ahead of time, typically three months. In this case, we're pretty close to the three-month mark. That, that was astounding. So I know, as, for some reason, uh, that occurs. And to make that story short, I can tell you that the brain operates on a 25-hour clock, not 24. The French cave studies have proven that. And so if you think about the rhythm of the brain and the real clock there, if you know where you are in space and time, you can pretty well gauge where you are uh, in terms of something beyond the here and now. What makes this exciting is that you, dear listener, anyone can do this if you know how, but you must exercise the prophetic area of the brain. So when I read this backward, it revealed Michael Jackson is dead. So who was it? Who's the prominent one that dies in June? When you read that backward, when I read that backwards, and I have a record of this, remember this was posted before the event. It came out as Michael Jackson is dead. And uh, for those folks who want to hear the sound file, you may already have it up on your website, uh, on your good site. Uh, Michael Jackson is dead. If you go to thepropheticlight.com, thepropheticlight.com, there you will find on the front page, I have it for your convenience, you can hear Michael Jackson is dead. This is my own voice in reverse. There is, my, there is the subconscious right there showing me it's a way in which I can access non-historical information systems. It's easier than using the inflection of a hand outside of normal states awareness through protocol. It's direct and it's shockingly accurate. I have more accurate predictions using this technique. In fact, it's how I found out who would win the election in Iran. The name Mahmoud came up in reverse. Oh, that's who it is. So I wrote down, he wins. I mean, who could know who wins? But this, I wrote down Mahmoud, you know, wins uh, the election, and he did. No one would, nobody thought he would win this. So, and the chaos was another word that came up in reverse. And man, was that ever true. Look at the mess in Iran. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. And we actually, we do have the Michael Jackson sound clips that uh, you and Stephen provided for us. Oh, thank you. So we can we can play those for the audience. Matt Haas is going to get those ready. We're going to play it first and forward. And, and this is the – now, like you said, this is coming from your subconscious. And yeah. as anybody that's ever had a dream knows that, you know, when something is coming from your subconscious, it's not exactly clearly defined. Sometimes it's – you know, it, it is very vague. And it, you in a dream, you know, you might know who a person is. But if you had to relate that dream later on to somebody, you're not going to find the words for it. Well, here, here's the rub. It's like if, if, you, take, if you take a drug – and I'm, I'm vehemently against the use of drugs. Mm-hmm. Talk about Demerol or this analog of morphine that uh, Michael Jackson spoke about. I didn't know that. I don't spend all my days, you know, paying attention, following people like this. I mean, this guy was a, was a drug freak, and, and he had a possible condition, uh, you know, with children, which was, you know, I don't know. We can't prove that. Well, and a lot not. of this drug stuff we didn't, you know, the public didn't even know really yeah. to that extent. So, I mean – the thing about it is, yeah, you could predict his death. Sure, someone like that is on a collision course. 
Uh, however, uh, to be as specific as I was, mm-hmm. uh, I think is pretty good. And, you know, nobody's perfect, and I'm advancing in this, and I'm teaching everyone this. This is I'm not selling this. This is giving to people for free. Uh, well, and the one the one thing that I always say about these techniques and about these abilities is, you know, it doesn't matter if you can say, well, you know, the prediction was off. The fact that the prediction was even that close is enough to make people pay attention and that they should be learning to develop the skill. When you think of the odds, it's easier to believe that it's actually possible uh, than not. And you know, here's here's the rub with the situation. Where you know you got you can you can take drugs and you can get in an altered state and you can see certain things. A lot of gurus or you know people who take drugs claim this. Well, you're not the captain of your ship. The drug is. Whereas in these techniques, we're accessing the subconsciousness. You are the captain of your ship. You have a certain consciousness and a certain awareness and a protocol that you follow through spontaneity. You can access this repeatedly and get a, a consistent result. So the scientific method can be applied to this. I've applied to it, applied it myself using double-blind studies. I want to know like you do. I want to know the truth. I don't care what the truth is. You know, the truth is most disturbing, whereas the falsehood is always most reassuring. I'm not going to give people reassurance. This is scary stuff. <laughs> and it's on the frontier. You're, you're talking to somebody who's way out there on this. But, uh, you know, this is irrefutable, and it's an example uh, of a long string of predictions that I, I'm, beginning, I'm getting better with time. That's all I can say. Well, why don't we play those clips, and, and I, I'll tell everybody we're going to play it first forward, and then we'll take a break, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stop it, and then we'll play it in reverse. But the, the thing about reverse speech, uh, people, uh, you know, normally when you hear it, some people they just it's like nails on a chalkboard to some people but this is going to be very clear so you don't i I know a lot of people are going to say oh they're going to play something backwards i don't want to hear that i used to be that way when people would say i want to play this album backwards for you be like yeah no it creeps me out but you know this this will not have that effect so why don't we play it first and forward prominent one is dead his name in the news exhausted the people weary so that is the uh, prediction Aaron is, uh, as Aaron originally made it uh, in the forward, coming, as he said, directly from his subconscious. Yeah. And now when it's reversed, here's what you hear. Was that, was that clear? Did... Yeah, I can't hear that on the phone here, but I'm I'm pretty sure um, that your audiences can hear that clear enough. And I'd actually heard, and Matt, if you want to try and go to, to the website, um, it's a little bit more cleaned up too as well uh, on the propheticlight.com. Yeah, if you go to the first file, you'll get Michael Jackson is dead. That's that's astounding. And, that's an, that's just one part of the reverse clip that. Uh, and, and Matt Costa asked uh, me the question during the break, but I'll pose it to you. Do you re- reverse all these predictions after you make them, after you've recorded them? Absolutely. And now I do. Uh, this was only discovered in the last six months. So this is a relatively new process of part of your prediction. Yeah, we have suspected for a long time. I have a team of researchers working with me. We have suspected for a long time. Uh, we use uh, brainwave mapping. We use EEGs. We use everything. Uh, we've suspected uh, biofeedback. We've, we suspected for a long, long time that there's something to this, but we had to set uh, some protocols out there. We had to set uh, a system that anybody could use. 
Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to begin teaching this to people. So this is very exciting. And by the way, this is free. This is free for anyone to experiment with. It's powerful. Think of the implications of knowing anything you need to know. There are no secrets, folks. And think of the world and the future that we have. Think of the true essence of this in a world where nobody can hide their crime from you. Think about the justice of that. It's on an individual basis, which is where justice comes from. You want to try playing that in reverse again, Maricosa, and, and having people, you know, now that they've had a second, they can redigest it? Uh, the clip? Or? Yeah, the backward oh. clip. The... Sometimes when, when you hear something in reverse for the first time, it's it just sounds so strange that your your ear has a hard time adjusting to it. The first clip was designed to help people who have a hard time hearing that. These are un This is raw. This is just me talking in a tape recorder and simply taking a uh, program online and reversing it. It's so simple. There's no editing. It's just raw data. The, the music in the background, is there a purpose for that in terms of, the, uh, of having the prophecy, or is it more for the, uh, the documentation that what's being played in reverse is you know, the same? That, as, that's a great question. The music happened to be somebody driving by with it. I just take everything as it happens you know, in stride. So the music happened to be just background noise, somebody driving by. That's okay. I was, I was just wondering if maybe you were using it as, as a way to, to you know, give another audio uh, in the port in the clip so that somebody knows, okay, that's definitely what was just said reverse because that music is the same as what was, you know. Yeah, so. well, that's, that's uh, well, you'll be able to get background frequencies uh, and, and test that as well. Uh, this is just forward and backward, so there's no way it can be uh, – you know, it can be. There's no way this can be fake. This would be very, very difficult for someone to uh, replicate this. And and, and it, the idea itself. I suppose there are some charlatans out there that could do something like this and pull off a fraud like that for money. But I, this would be very, very difficult. And uh, generally, um, I don't need to do that because I have a reputation for for honesty and just being straight out there with it. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. That's how it is. We all want to know: Is this possible? And I would say right now, 99.9%, absolutely yes, it is possible that anyone can do this. So long as you have a normally functioning brain, you're not on drugs, you're relatively healthy, and you're balanced. Well, we, we, do, we do know it is possible, though, to, to intentionally fake backward stuff, but you just you have to have George Martin in your studio to be oh, able wow. to get it done. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, they were, able, they were able to do it, right? The Beatles were able yeah. to put backwards messages in. So well, it can did. be done when you have yeah. George Martin at your disposal. But wow. uh, for the rest of us who don't have that type of genius, you know, helping us along. So did Iron Maiden, for that matter. <laughs> That's <but>. true. <laughs> so uh, we, we definitely uh, agree, though, Aaron, uh, that, you know, we, we find that there's a lot of uh, value in reversing things. Like when uh, as Matt Moniz was pointing out um, a few minutes ago in EVP research. You know, a lot of EVP researchers will yeah. now run everything backward because they find that they get get messages that way as well. So there, there really is that ability to kind of crack what the subconscious is trying to hide and to be able to get the actual information out there. And remember with ghosts and things like this, people think, woo, that something's coming at you from outside. It's not. It's actually your own brain. We're holographic projectors. And one of the things that I do is I project – the field effect, I project, and I have sensitive uh, – thank, thank goodness for the CMOS sensor out there because it can be altered. 
and what I've done is I've, I've created a system of cameras. Uh, I'm, I'm developing what is called a spiritual camera, and that may be slightly misleading because the truth of the matter is that if you really are attached to a, a loved one who has passed away, there is, a, there is a record of all things in the universe. Proof of that, go out into the stars. We have star systems that have long burned out, yet we can see them right now from where we are. There's a permanent record of all things. So when you put that in context with this and the fact that we are holographic projectors, we project images, sounds, everything. And the thing about it is we're fooling ourselves if we think we're talking to the dead. That's not possible. Science is looking at it from another direction, which is it's coming from you. What's amazing about this, what's spiritual about this, is the fact that you can have access to these sources of information, historical and non-historical. You can beat the odds. In fact, in these bad economic times, I'm using this to live. I'm using this to access lottery systems, and I'm also using it to find the order within the chaos of world markets. I've been making a load of money in the stock market. Because I know <laughs> that where makes one at. of us. Pardon me. That makes one of us. Uh, yeah, you know, I really feel bad. Many people lost up to forty percent of their portfolio. They're really, this is horrible for many, many people. And I would say now is a very good time to get investing if you know where to invest. Get that order in chaos. Learn, learn this. Go to thepropheticlight.com. Learn as much as you can about remote viewing, about psychic function and prophetic function. Those are two areas of the brain. And remote viewing alone will not get you there. This is way beyond remote viewing. We've advanced this. We've gone way beyond Hell Put Off, Dr. Put Off, and Ingo Swan in the Reagan era. That was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how this has advanced? And the reason why remote viewing is dead today is because you have a lot of people out there who claim that you folks, that you can't do this, that you're not as good as I am. I say, that's not right. If I can do it, you can do it, and I know that because we've taken people off the street and tested them using various techniques. And everyone, I believe everyone who has a sound mind and body, they have an inherent ability to do this. And you can do it, you can use it to make a living, not a super living. I'm not making a bunch of money in the stock market, but I'm up 46%. Well, and also, I mean, there's also how much risk you're willing to take in in what it is that you're doing i mean it's fine if you think that you can you know predict the lottery numbers and you're willing to pluck down a dollar or five dollars to have that come true but you're not going out there and buying five thousand lottery tickets you know no. what i mean it's you, you're keeping it within reason and, and that's going to i guess if you believe in mathematics you know it's going to help keep the odds in your favor well i'm with asimov you know in in his you know, these science fiction writers, and he was quite a mathematician. He was, well, he was, he was a very good scientist in his own way. He claimed that, you know, with mathematics, you could, you could beat the odds. You could predict the future, ultimately. And I think the aim of mathematics is like the aim of science, which is for permanence. And, you know, we are heading into the small realm of nanotechnology, mm -hmm. nanotechnological transgenomic genetics and so on. We're heading into a small area. We're getting smaller. You know... But you know the way, uh, you know, a bird is a dinosaur. You know the way that, that uh, creatures survive, calamity after calamity, is that got, they got smaller. Nature doesn't waste energy. And if we're going to travel through space and time, we're going to have to get smaller. We're going to have to redesign ourselves, not to be a carbon-based unit, because we're running out of air, land, and water. What we must do, we can't live in space. We must redesign ourselves. Uh, I digress, of course. 
But I've used remote viewing to look at our future, and our future is using technology. The Blue Brain Project by IBM is an example where we're simply taking a core of the brain and building it up. And we are developing sections of the brain, basically, to make this simple. And eventually we're going to have consciousness that's separate from our own. Think about that. When you don't know the difference between your own consciousness and the technology before you, we've reached a human nexus, a huge nexus, and we'll be able to transfer our consciousness effortlessly, and we need to redesign our bodies so that we don't need air, water, and land as it is now because our planet is dying. It's falling apart. We, we don't have much time left, so we have to use science and technology so that we might exist in a state of permanence. Well, we're going to have to take a break here, but uh, in just along those same lines is a, a film coming out. I think it comes out in the fall with Bruce Willis where it's exactly the same type of uh, notion. It's going to be the uh, physical body stays in one spot and the consciousness is transferred to almost like an avatar that goes out there and actually experiences the world. So, wow. I mean, it, it, we always say that you know science fiction writers uh, make the prediction – of what will actually happen, and this could just be, as you're saying, another example of that. So Look at Jules Verne. Jules Verne. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk some more with Aaron C. Hansen. You can check out his website, thepropheticlight.com, and it's also linked up right on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And, of course, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. If you'd like to email us at any time, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash SpookySC. And you can give us a call anytime during the remainder of the program, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. If you have any questions uh, for Aaron about remote viewing, about prophecy, about being able to utilize these talents for yourself, again, his website is ThePropheticLight.com linked up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also give us a call if you want to share anything to do with uh, Michael Jackson's passing, with uh, your beliefs, uh, your, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say conspiracy theories, but, you know, it's, there, it is out there. It is uh, being bandied about. So, Aaron, we also did uh, find the shortened version of the backwards clip, so we're going to play that too because that one is clearer for people to hear uh, especially those who kind of automatically have that physical tune-out of backwards sounds. So mm-hmm. we're going to play that for them right now. Here we go. And one more time, Matt, if you can. I always make him do it twice, and <laughs> he hates me for it. So that's a little bit more direct in the shortened version, and, and your ear can train right in on it. Um, you know, we, we were talking about it uh, during the break, and we're talking about the process of, of reversing this stuff. And it sounds like 
you know, the same words forwards and backwards. Um, that often happens. Well, I mean, dead anyway, as, as Matt Costa pointed out during the break, is going to sound the same forwards and backwards. But yes. Uh, we, uh, Matt Moniz, why don't you share what you were talking about with the Nostradamus predictions? And well, I was just wondering, can you take some of the quatrains that was done by Nostradamus, have somebody recite them, and then play them backwards, see if there's something different? Oh, that that's that's fascinating. In fact, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm going to try that. You're in welcome. Fact, yeah, that's a very good idea. Bear in you mind know. that they were originally done in four different languages. French, English uh, were some words. uh I believe there was Spanish and uh, a couple others. He mixed it up. German, I think, were I think was a yes. blast. And he spoke his own language. He uh, developed his own language. So this might be difficult. It's very important that you speak the native tongue. Right. I would suspect that uh, or something. Um, I, you know, it's it's a good idea to do some research and and to realize his thinking at the time that the quatrains were written. And where he lived, and I think that that would be a clue as to. In fact, I would uh, rather train someone in the native tongue and have them do this because they have the cultural reference that I don't have. Unless, unless I'm in uh, Portugal, I'm not going to speak Portuguese. You know, I'm not going to speak it uh, with the cultural reference that you need. The colloquy just isn't there. Mm. So, but um, I do use other languages. And um, I speak four languages fluently, and so Russian is one of them. And so I I can't use those languages because I do have some cultural reference, not much. I am world-traveled, but I need more travel. And it's very important that you become immersed in a culture before you truly – you're not going to get a clear message. But that's a very good idea. I just love that. I'm going to try it. You have my blessings. And by the way, privet cocktail. Yeah. I hope this is clean for the FCC because we already uh, we already played a Michael Jackson song that had some some naughty words in it. Uh, Can we? Now I understand the FCC rules, so yeah, there you go. As, yeah. like, as long as one of us does, <laughs> we're not saying. So now I didn't say anything bad. Really. No, he didn't. Oh, and I just said hello. What's up? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Obviously, with um, I'll, not very I, well, by the way. Oh, it's not <laughs> it's often good, that I... It's good, it's okay, it's all right. Hey, it's, it's probably better than me. He hasn't been able to speak Russian since he was a spy back in the 80s. So. Yeah, well, no. I answered you anyway. Yeah, he did. No, <laughs> now, if you want to get into some Mandarin... <laughs> oh, hey, that's difficult. Now, I, I was exposed to a little bit of that with Ed Dames, and I can tell you that's a difficult language. I have to admire the Chinese. They are some smart people. I've been learning it for the past 20 years, and I'm still trying to learn it. Wow. I've, I've been eating it for the past 20 years. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm not going to touch that one. That's difficult. That that would take uh, a lifetime, I think. Well, and plus yeah. with, with the Chinese language, all it takes is one you know mispronunciation of oh, a word, yeah. and it has a whole different You can meaning. go from horse to mother-in-law, although I still don't see how that's so much <laughs> different. But... <laughs> I, I think, again, being immersed in the culture itself would, would go a long way. You should travel. Have you been on the Great Wall? Unfortunately, no. Oh. I was supposed to go last year, but things fell apart. Oh, you have to. Go soon. I'll tell you the reason is because things are breaking down across the world um, socially. It's, now is a great time to go. It's cheap. Ah, uh, yeah, go, go, please. In fact, uh, give me some lottery yeah, numbers you know so what, I can uh, get a ticket. <laughs> I would tell you what, uh, if you're going, uh, let me know because I may be returning to the east here very soon. Really? So I have I have some friends 
And you really do need to know people before you, not just a guide. You really have to, you have to deal with these governments, and they're, they're friendly. They, China loves the West. They love they, our business. They they're love very our worried money, about yeah. our debt, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember when, when Geithner talked about, uh, you know, the last time he was in Beijing talking about, uh, and this is something I predicted, too, I predicted that the Chinese would not uh, accept Geithner's explanation of, you know, the U.S. Uh, will to take care of their debt. In fact, at, in Beijing at the university, he was laughed at when he said, don't worry, we're, our priority is to take care of that. I'm paraphrasing him, to take care of our debt. And the, he, was, he was just laughed at. And this is when the Chinese, as you know, when they laugh, they're embarrassed. They're mm -hmm. embarrassed for you. Right. They're very polite, wonderful people. Um, hey, let me know before you go. I, we can talk off, off air about that because I do plan a trip back into the East. And my favorite place of all, uh, is actually Tokyo, uh, Japan. That's a, that's a fascinating because the, after the atomic bomb, that culture changed. It changed. I actually met in Tokyo, in Japan. I, I talked with him at a horse uh, betting uh, 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 place. By the way, gambling is illegal there, but there's a way around it. And <laughs> I, I talked to somebody there who's actually a sexual cannibal. Okay. I'm not going to say any more about that. We got FCC rules. Even well, after so that, could be a whole different episode of the show. I think. Yeah, that that was something. I mean, it was legal there for him to be this way. That, I'm not going to. Yeah, he couldn't bet on horses. The Japanese That's... people, but after the bomb, it tweaked their culture in sort of a really good and really weird, scary way. I love the Japanese people. They're brilliant. You know, they've been living on Dagosex, and uh, uh, you, you have the, these fish oils. Mm -hmm. This Dakosex, uh, it's a it's a type of oil. Uh, I believe it's an amine, um, and it's an oil that. Uh, do you have a chemist with you? Uh, you happen to be speaking to an analytical oh. chemist, <laughs> and what you're talking about are the Stantons. Yeah, uh, uh, used for brain loves it. Well, it's also used for uh, lowering cholesterol. Yes, and they they smoke like chimneys. Yep. And uh, they don't get the same illnesses we have here. They don't have MS like we have here. They don't have. They don't wear glasses, most of them. And they live in their 80s and 90s and work eight, nine hours a day. They're amazing. They also have, um, uh, they eat starchy foods, especially the people who do this. Uh, in, there's, a, there's a group of people in Tokyo who eat these starchy foods, and they live marvelously. They live, they're like 90 years old, and they're strong, and, and, and they don't wear glasses. Their teeth are good. They don't have osteoporosis. And it, you know that there's no sugar in Japan. They, they use birch sugar, which is not recognized uh, in terms of calories. So the, the Japanese people actually have their health down really well. And they live on top of each other there, but you wouldn't know it because nobody is anybody else's business. Everyone is respectful and mindful of each other, and so they can live in close proximity to one another and live in peace. We don't see that so much here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just about out of time, Aaron. But we want to thank you for joining us, especially uh, on short notice. Once, once I got the uh, the information emailed to me, and I was I was just fascinated by this. So I said, we got to get him on. People are talking about Michael Jackson. They want us to address it, even though we, you know, we kind of wanted to give it some time. But the the fact that you did make this prediction, and and you do have the audio proof to back it up. You bet. And thank you. It's been an honor. By the way, it's dicosahexanoic acid. That's the word. Ah. 
That's it. And they've been living on this. That's where, that's where their brains are. I, I believe, this is my personal belief, that their brains well developed as a result of making that their main staple. All right. Well, maybe we can get some of that for whoever set up our equipment prior to tonight because we had some audio issues at the beginning. But luckily it all worked out for your interview, and hopefully you can join us again sometime. I would be my honor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. And again... The website is thepropheticlight.com. If you want to find out more about Aaron, about how you can learn how to develop this ability for yourself, again, as you said, it's free. It's out there for you to learn, so you might as well. Uh, and next week, we'll be back. Uh, the Red Sox are going to be on before us. We're going to hope to get on pretty close to 10 o'clock, um, and we'll have another great show planned for you, as usual. So until then, for Matt Kosser, from Matt Moniz, we want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate when I see you moment, turn 57, I most I'm certainly like, All right, wish time you to start finishing. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420.